Welcome back to another episode of Gary Richardson, The Legal Warrior Podcast. I'm joined by Gary Richardson himself, the founder of Richardson Richardson Boudreaux Law Firm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right here in Tulsa, Steve, and we have joining us today a, a legal professional doctor. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I'll say a few things, then we'll introduce uh, our guest. But, uh, you know, we have a what is obviously a controversial subject today, somewhat like how controversial religion is and the election uh, for president is. And, you know, the thing that troubles me uh, about controversial subjects is that uh, people have problems just discussing them with someone that doesn't agree with them, and yet don't let that af affect their friendship, you know, and their relationship. You know, and, and I personally believe that people who can't just discuss something that with someone they don't agree with is uh, they, they, something happens to them when, when you don't agree with me. You know, I just can't handle it because you're supposed to agree with what I think is right, Steve. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I gave that up a long time ago that I can sit and talk to you about a subject. You can totally disagree with me on who sh president should be or about your religion or about mask, which we're going to be talking about today, and that will not affect my relationship with you unless you're allowed to do so. So uh, people, I say, have freedom to have their opinion just as much as I feel like I should be free to have my opinion without feeling threatened. So anyway, today's not to try to convince anyone of anything. It's uh, to share today. We have Dr. James Meehan here in Tulsa with us. He's a friend of mine. He's a client and probably from my perspective there's no one more knowledgeable about the subject we're going to be talking about today. He has the credentials. I'll let you tell him about, about his credentials. And when he came up today, uh, sitting here on our back porch, I was watching golf and uh, I said, do you ever watch golf? He said, no. He said, my hobby is reading medical journals. <laughs> so that's the kind of guest we have here today. So uh, Dr. Uh, Meehan, uh, welcome to the group. And uh, we're looking forward to this session. And tell the folks a little bit about yourself. And then we're going to turn it over to you to talk about the mask. Thank you very much, Gary. Well, uh, I love your, your tagline, legal warrior. I, I like to look at myself as a medical warrior. Um, my goal is, is to, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. So I'm an ophthalmologist by training, trained at one of the top institutions in the United States. Um, Where was that? That was at uh, Washington University in St. Louis, Barnes Jewish Hospital. So one of the most, actually top three ophthalmology programs in the country. Um, I was also the medical editor of a medical journal, um, which became the focus of my, of my career in ophthalmology, which the journal was called the Journal of Ocular Immunology and Inflammation. So my focus in medicine has been immunology, inflammation, and infectious disease, autoimmune disease, all and, those. And, you know, we were talking before we started today that uh, as a lawyer, uh, you know, I, uh, I, our law firm sues lawyers that commit malpractice. I feel like it's our obligation to protect the people as number one. And I know knowing you and having had several conversations with you, you uh, testify against doctors. Yeah, I have to. I mean, uh, we take an oath to yeah. and police our profession. Your number one drive is to do what you believe is right for the people. To protect 
people, right. to protect people. I mean, I've taken two oaths in my career. One as a member of the United States military to serve and protect those who can't protect themselves um, against enemies, both foreign and domestic. We have domestic enemies. Um, right. I think at many times the misappropriation, the misinformation, pseudoscience, fraud, corruption, and medicine in, impacts hundreds of thousands of patients' right. lives. Um, we have we have bad doctors. We have bad people in every level of society. Every profession. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I've been very outspoken on the opioid epidemic. I've been very outspoken on just the corruption and fraudulent medicine that permeates so much of our medical research. As a, as a medical editor, I saw it all the time. Uh, many medical editors will testify that about 50 to 85 percent of the medical science is fraudulent. It's flawed. It's bought and paid for. Well, and I never will forget something you said to me, and correct me if I'm not saying it correctly. Uh, show me a yeah incentive incentive and I, and, and I'll I will show, show you, you the an outcome. outcome. That's and, exactly and, right. And you you attach that to medicine. I do all the time. Um, I think Charles Munger said that um, uh, that is a, a statement that is so true. We see it play out all the time. If you, for example, in the COVID-19 epidemic pandemic um, here in the United States, the CARES Act allowed the $13,000 bonus to be paid to hospitals for every COVID-19 diagnosis managed in their hospital. Yeah, and I have a client that told me the other day she went to the hospital, and I, I find this hard to believe, but I really challenged her on it. And she said, with a broken wrist, she said that they wanted her to sign documents and in fact said she was there because of, of COVID. COVID-19. Exactly. Because right. it's a $13,000 yeah. bonus in addition to everything that they would normally right. make for and the she, care of that patient. She wouldn't sign it. Right. No, she shouldn't. That's, I mean, that's, that's fraud in and of itself. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not a, an attorney and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last well, it night. It is fraud. It is fraud. And they're doing it all the time. In fact, um, so the other incentive that's been built into this, the CARES Act was $39,000 if the patient goes to the ICU and is put on a ventilator. Now, what we know from some of my colleagues, someone that I know personally um, who is considered the, the, uh, uh, COVID-19 whistleblower in New York City, she's a nurse by the name of Erin Marie. She um, saw absolute fraud being committed at Elmhurst Hospital in New York City. She videotaped it. She col collected the evidence. She's written a book now. She's been all over the podcast tour telling her story, her truth that she has solid evidence for. They were admitting, Gary, this again, to this incentive and outcome problem, this this incentivizing COVID-19 um, diagnosis and movement to ICU. She was seeing that in Elmhurst Hospital, which was the epicenter of the outbreaks in New York City, the epicenter of the epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak, she was seeing patients admitted with a negative test, but they would put positive tests in the computer. Wow. And the nurses would were following this. They have this right on video, and they were putting uninfected patients on COVID-19 floors, almost the entire hospital was dedicated to COVID-19 patients, negative patients that would then transform into a positive patient because they're in a heavily infected environment where virus is floating all over the place. They would allow them to decompensate and go to the ventilators. So, well, Jim, before you get into the mask, why don't you uh, inform the uh, 
hearing audience about a post that you uh, did today on your Facebook that uh, you were talking about before we started the bro uh, broadcast here. Yeah, there's um, on my Facebook page, I'm Doc Meehan uh, on Facebook at and Doc Meehan. And spelled M-E-E-H-A-N. M-E-E-H-A-N, yes, sir. And uh, at the top of my face, a Facebook page, there's a, uh, a, a video. It's an extraordinarily well-done video talking about mask facts, the science and history of masks in medicine from the modelhealthshow.com. And this is the best piece of videography that I've seen of science, the presentation of science, very easy for the layperson to understand, presents the evidence against masks, the all a long, there's a large body of evidence that says wearing masks of all time, all types, surgical masks, cloth masks, uh, even N95 masks do not prevent the transmission of disease, um, especially in the community wearing, which is really the, the wrong prescription by our public health experts. The, the idea that we should be masking healthy members of our population in the general community is not supported by science. Well, and for those that are following me on Facebook, I just shared that post. Perfect. Yeah, so you can go to Gary's Facebook page and uh, everybody should look at should view this this video because it it does an excellent job of going through all of the evidence and and the problem that we have what's being done in science is there is um with the science of masking is well first of all it's confusing and it, we should all remember that in february and march our leading health experts were saying don't wear masks they don't work to block the coronavirus right anthony fauci said that or surgeon general said that um but then they changed their tune and they started saying you know offering different recommendations that we should all wear masks now um and and well, i noticed march, you don't have one on. oh no i, I no i won't i and, and my the reason i don't is because gary i think not only do they not work but they can cause serious harm. Well, did you notice that I don't have one? Yes, on? sir. Well, I'm, that doesn't surprise me at all. You, you, God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of a, a power, love, and a sound mind. And you have a sound mind. You've proven that over the years. And I have a sound mind, and I have a, a mind that is, you know, well forged in the ability to discern the the science to t tell the difference between a study that was done in hamsters. That, so one of the leading studies to support the wearing a mask was a the headlines was masks um, decreased the transmission of coronavirus by 75 percent but here's how that study was done it was done in hamsters they had two populations of hamsters separated by a little a little hole one population of hamsters was infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus then they had an uninfected population and they had a hole in the cage between the two hamsters they showed that when there's when you don't put a mask over that hole, so the, 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 they would put a mask over that hole and say, well, the hamsters in the other cage, the uninfected cage, got less, 75% less coronavirus wow. um, when they had a mask over the hole. That, um, and that's the study, that's the science that they were trying to say is that, see, when you put a mask over the hole, fewer hamsters get infected. But that's not a study of medical masks. That's a study of living in a, um, a cube surrounded you know covered in in some kind of material that so, replicates a mask so it's, the testing project was uh, uh kind of uh 
how would you say it? Flawed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it not was, only flawed, but but created so as to get the effect they that's wanted. That's right. So yeah. you, you kind of hit it on the key issue is we're creating kind of flawed, you know, poor methodology, and then we're we're papering it up and putting a bow on it right. that makes it sound like it's reasonable science. Any right. any reasonable science and, and to prove a point. Yeah, and, to make and a tell point. us. Why is it they want to prove this point that we, uh, Max, uh, tell us about that. Well, it's a good question. I mean, you know, we have um, politicized, uh, there's a lot of emotions involved in this. The, you know, I can't uh, ascribe um, motives to the people that are recommending this. But what I can question them on is, you know, where's the science that supports your recommendations? Right. Because the highest level science, we've been studying this issue for many years, the use of masks to prevent the transmission of one of the most um, uh, impactful viruses, the influenza virus. We've been studying the issue, do masks um, help limit the transmission of influenza. It, it kills 650,000 people in the world every year. You know, 60,000 Americans die of influenza. This, basically the same population of patients that are susceptible to coronavirus, to COVID-19, are susceptible to influenza. They have multiple um, uh, comorbidities. They have high blood pressure, diabetes. They have hormone deficiencies. Their vitamin D levels are low. These are all things that weaken the immune system and, you know, make you susceptible to not only influenza and SARS-CoV-2, but every pathogen on the planet. So we've been studying this issue for over 30 years and um, all the studies, and there's many of them with re regards to influenza, which is about the same viral size, has uh, similar characteristics in a lot of ways. The, the randomized controlled trials, and there's many of them, and in fact, there's the highest level of research science is a meta-analysis of multiple randomized controlled trials. Yeah. We, have, we have five or six very high level, best evidence, randomized controlled trial meta-analyses that say that uh, masks do not work to prevent the transmission well, of tell influenza. Us, tell us in a way that the average citizen and I consider myself in that category, mm -hmm. uh, understands. Uh, what, is the, what is the negative part of wearing a mask? Yeah, so there's many. So, and I'm glad you asked it in that way. The thing that we, we always do when considering a medical intervention, whether it's to take a drug, a supplement, do a surgical procedure, is what are the risks, the benefits, and the alternatives? That right. process is called informed consent. It's a legal Right. principle I think you understand very well. Um, we should be um, explaining to the population what are the risks, benefits, and alternatives of wearing a mask. So the risks are very significant. Number one is we know that masks inhibit airflow. They decrease oxygen intake. That's a very significant process. It's been studied in everyone from surgeons in the operating suite um, to to the general population. When you put a mask on your face, you that is meant to you know block the the um, inhalation of particles in the air, um, uh, infectious particles or otherwise. You are also blocking the inflow of air. The oxygen that comes into our lungs is being driven down by the wearing of the mask. That's I've demonstrated that experimentally in my office. That experiment where you put on a mask, you put a sensor, an oxygen sensor behind the mask, um, has been demonstrated all over the world, replicated, confirmed, that within seconds, within about 15 seconds of putting a mask on your face, 
the oxygen level in the environment behind that mask starts dropping below significant levels, 19.5%. Room air should be about 21% oxygen. The Occupational Safety Health Administration, the OSHA um, that regulates um, safety of our workforce, they say that below 19.5%, you're in a toxic environment and that it's an, an environment of low oxygen that can create physiologic disease. It can inhibit um, brain function. It can create um, stress. It can start suppressing your immune system. Um, it can increase the chance that you're going to form a clot. Low oxygen levels in your blood increases clot formation. So blocking oxygen is risk number one. Risk number two is when you also put that sensor behind the mask, you find that CO2 levels rise very quickly within about 30 seconds to well over 10,000 parts per million. Now, OSHA says over 1,000 parts per million is a toxic environment with too high a level of CO2. CO2 levels escalating in your blood will create a, 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 an array of other problems such as brain dysfunction, um, uh, increased inflammation in your body. Um, the other the other risk, so there's two risks. Let's do the third one. This is a big one for me. Um, when you put a mask on your face, you are basically creating, it starts to absorb moisture. Um, I have to, I've worn a mask over 10,000 times in a surgical suite. I have to change my mask usually after about 30 minutes. My, the type of surgery that I specialized in was microsurgery. Under, I'd have to do surgery under a microscope. Within about 30 minutes of wearing a mask, it was not only blocking my oxygen so significantly, but it was also um, uh, becoming more blocking of oxygen because moisture was accumulating on the inside of the mask. So it was becoming a wet blocker of oxygen. And I would start to develop a tremor. Most surgeons will. <clears throat> it's, why we, it's why we change our mask pretty frequently during long surgeries. Well, so, you know, along that line, I have... Uh a couple of doctor's offices I go into, and they don't require you to wear, wear a mask. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, you know it, and, and then I go maybe across the street to a store that does require you to wear a mask, and, and that's the only time I wear a mask is I, I respect the uh, the rights of the owner of, of the store to set their own rules and regulations, and I respect that, so I do put a mask on. Right. But that's the only time I ever wear a mask is, is when I'm going shopping, and, and they require and, and insist that you wear a mask. There are a lot of, there are a lot of doctors, <clears throat> a lot of scientists that have read the science, the high-level science that I've read, and know that wearing masks not only don't work, but they put us at risk. So they're not wearing them, and they're not forcing their patients to wear them. If you're going, in my opinion, if you're going to a doctor that requires you to wear a mask, you have a doctor that probably doesn't read the medical science, right. that is more likely to listen to you know misinformation from so-called public health experts. Well, I was are, in two offices this week, and they did not require me to yeah, wear a mask. Well, you go to, you're smart enough to go to the best doctors. Um, <laughs> And let me ask you another question, uh, Jim, and I, I'm winking at you as I ask it. Uh, uh, am I correct that you're for these vaccines? No, I'm, I'm definitely not. <laughs> I'm definitely not for these vaccines. Um, that's a that's a whole topic. But I, I would say I am I am um, telling my patients, my family, um, get out of that line. Don't be lining up for the coronavirus vaccine. And there, here's why. Um, number one. Vaccine development is very 
Um, it's a very difficult, dangerous process. Many of the leading pro-vaccine experts, Paul Offit of, of Philadelphia Children's Hospital, Peter Hotez, um, these, these guys are vaccine developers. They're also saying we need to be very cautious about this coronavirus vaccine because it's not going to have the science um, done to prove safety and efficacy at the time it's released. It takes years and it takes you know millions of patients being tested um, over a long period of time to ascertain whether a vaccine is going to be safe or not. Many of the leading candidates. Now, now you said millions. That seems a little extreme to me. So no, I'm asking you. Right. So especially for um, coronavirus, we've been we've been trying to create a coronavirus. I say we. They have been trying to create a coronavirus vaccine for many years because it's a very common respiratory pathogen, um, especially in 2003 when SARS-CoV-1, the first SARS virus, a coronavirus very similar to COVID-2. When it broke out, it was a very dangerous, um, killed a lot of people that became infected. So they tried to create a, <clears throat> a vaccine for this SARS-CoV-1. Uh, now, at that time, they were doing reasonable science. They started with animal studies. We skipped over animal studies with SARS-CoV-2. No animal studies were done. The first animals to be tested were 45 humans in, in Seattle, Washington. Um, but when we when we uh, developed a vaccine in 2003, we gave it to a, a, a large number of ferrets. Ferrets are an animal species that has a, an immune system that's very similar to humans. Um, the vaccinated animals were then exposed to the wild-type SARS-CoV-1 virus. So you, you vaccinate and then you expose to see if the vaccine works. Well, here's what happened. The animals died. Almost every animal died when they were exposed to the wild type virus because what and it developed this principle called pathological priming of the immune system it's also called antibody dependent enhancement and that's after they took the injection after they took that so the injection the vaccine was actually transforming the animal's immune system into a pathological response system one that could overreact when it saw the virus come back into that that animal's body well, what do we do? I, I was hearing the other day, of course, you can hear anything today about these uh, subjects we're talking about, uh, that uh, it's going to uh, potentially come to the place that in order to, let's say, go to go in, go in a store, you had to show them evidence that you had taken the, the uh, vaccine. That's right. Yeah, there's, a, <clears throat> you know, to maybe go back and answer a question that you asked me earlier in the podcast was the question is why are they doing this and i think a lot of what we're being told to do is to prime us and prepare us to submitting to um, an expensive medical intervention an untested unsafe medical intervention like the vaccine and who, and, and i'm told that uh, uh fellow that i think most everyone will recognize his name bill gates yeah will make billions of dollars off this vaccine yeah yeah and you know if you if you studied this virus as as, as intently and, as and I, I have, i hope he sues me for slander right so i can sue him and take his, de well, one of, take his deposition <laughs> <laughs> amen brother well one of the things that you taught me many years ago was that the best defense against defamation is the truth that's right and what you just said is the truth um, one of the other truths that people need to understand is that Bill Gates actually financed the, the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He provided a grant to the Wuhan Institute of Virology from which this, this bioengineered virus 
emerge. Now, I've said several things there that I can support with evidence. Um, the fact that this virus emerged from the Wuhan Institute of Virology is, is absolutely true. It's being investigated by our State Department now. We know that Bill Gates funded that, that institute. So did, by the way, um, a Bill Gates uh, crony is Anthony Fauci. And I understand they're tennis buddies. Yeah, they're good buddies. He, um, Anthony Fauci is involved in a number of the Gates Foundation initiatives, from the, his vaccine initiatives to a number. They're tightly linked. And um, they also both, Anthony Fauci actually took U.S. taxpayer dollars as he, when he was director of the National Institutes of Health and also as the National Institute of Allergy Infectious Disease, Anthony Fauci was running those organizations, and he took um, U.S. taxpayer dollars, $7.4 million of them, and funded the same Wuhan Institute of Virology to conduct the research that's called, that's illegal in the United States and most European countries, most countries in general. The, to to um, manipulate, to experiment, to gene splice, to create, to take a virus like SARS-CoV-1 and to transform it into a more lethal virus for whatever purposes they had in mind. Um, again, I won't ascribe motives to them, but they were they were taking lethal viruses and they were trying to make them more lethal. And the reason it was illegal to do this gain-of-function research in the United States is because the potential to do so much human harm if one of those pathogens escaped. And that's what happened. The pathogen SARS-CoV-2 escaped from the laboratory in, in Wuhan, China, and then it spread across the world. Wow. Well, Jim, we're getting close to winding up, and uh, I know there's a heck of a lot more you could say because you and I have had these conversations, and, and you've certainly... Uh, you didn't. You didn't try to convince me of anything. I was just learning, and through learning, I came became convinced. And uh, uh, in closing, uh, Steve, do you have anything to say? And then we'll let uh, Jim have the final words. Yeah, I I realized this whole time I've been talking, but I had my mask on, and, and you guys couldn't hear me. <laughs> no, he's kidding. No. He doesn't have a mask on. <laughs> no, I was I was intrigued by one thing you said in particular was that you change, and I want to clarify that I understood this right, you change your masks as a surgeon every 30 minutes because right. if you don't, the carbon monoxide levels cause you to get tremors? Carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide, yeah. okay. And, and it's also, it's the combination of rising CO2 in your bloodstream and lowered oxygen levels. You know, the uh, oxygen is necessary for the creation of energy in every cell in our body. So when you lower your oxygen, you decrease the power of every system in your body, your brain power, your immune power, your muscular power, everything starts to decline. Um, you know, I, I shared with you, um, Gary, the, the story of someone close to me who was forced to wear a mask by their employer because of this mask mandate nonsense. Um, he has to work outside, climbs these uh, um, smokestacks to repair them he was 25 foot up the ladder when the mask, you know, decreased oxygen, increased CO2, caused dizziness and, and you know, uh, lowered arterial oxygen levels. And he fell 25 feet. And, and one of the, you know, so, you know, we filed a lawsuit, um, Clay Clark, Dr. Zellner uh, filed a lawsuit against the city because 
we think that, and I'd love to get your opinion on this approach, because um, the big issue is the city passed an ordinance that forced businesses to kind of be the police force, to be right. the enforcer right. of the mask policy. Right. And, and so now businesses are being forced to mask, mask their employees and to force masking of their customers. OSHA regulations, Occupational Safety Health Administration regulations, say that um, an employer that masks their their employees have to follow very strict federal regulations, state and federal regulations. And those regulations I cited, uh, below 19.5% oxygen in the environment, dangerous environment. They, they also force every mask, masked employee to undergo a medical exam to make sure that they don't have medical contraindications, um, asthma, COPD, COPD, other lung diseases, a lot of people with psychiatric disease, uh, veterans with PTSD, you lower their brain oxygen and it increases the severity um, and can cause an outbreak, you know, a, um, a, an eruption of their disease process, anxiety. Everybody is suffering levels of anxiety, stress, immune suppression when they're wearing masks. It can be more significant in various members of our population that are more susceptible to it. So our approach was to go after the city saying, you're forcing employers to violate OSHA regulations. You're putting them, it's a, it's a liability, business liability nightmare that they're creating. They're going to they're going to create, with their stupid ordinance, they're going to create a lot of not only damage to the public, damage to employees, but lawsuits. They're going to cost the city, you know, millions of dollars in, in lawsuits. And I, I will tell you that I've had managers of large, prominent restaurant chains come to my office saying, what's going on? My, my employees are passing out they're having headaches they're having brain fog their productivity is going down and we we think we have a real problem here and and they are well aware of the osha regulation how many uh, restaurant owners would you say that's been to your office three three yep okay yeah and their attorneys too by the way yeah. just this year just in the last two months wow wow well hey i i thank you uh uh jim giving them uh uh, Dr. Meehan, I call you Jim. But, yeah, uh, you call me Jimmy because that's <laughs> all my friends do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you've given the folks a lot to think about, and uh, uh, you can probably, if you want to talk to uh, Dr. Meehan in, in uh, uh, person or on phone, you might be able to get a hold of him. Uh, I know he's got a, a phone mm -hmm. listing, and uh, he'll be happy to, uh, you know, uh, his goal is to help the people. There's yeah. no question in my mind. You're not making any money off of this. Nope. No. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's probably costing you yeah, money. Yeah, it's cost me a lot of time. Yeah. I'm not following the traditional narrative in right. medicine, so it brings a lot of heat my way. Right. And and I'm being censored all over social yeah, I media. I noticed when I this first time it's ever happened when I shared the post we I was talking about just a few minutes ago. It says. I got a message that will let you know when this is posted. Right. I've never had that happen. They're censoring. I'm being censored on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Yeah. Um, and many doctors like me are being censored. And it's you scary. Yeah. It's scary. It is. Well, Steve, uh, you have any other questions you think might be enlightening to the folks to ask Dr. Meehan? I think he pretty well covered it. I okay. don't know if there's anything I could think of that he didn't cover. Okay. Um, I said last week that if we were able to make this show happen, it would have a 
lot of potential to be a great show and i think that it was fully fulfilled oh absolutely what a what a what a day today has been and dr Meehan, we appreciate you joining us glad to be here thank you guys for getting the truth out yeah and uh let the folks know how if they have any questions they would like for us to address along this line or any other line how they can get those questions right you guys if you all have a facebook account you can go to facebook and look at pages we are on gary richardson the legal warrior or you can send us an email to legalwarriorpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions you'd like to us to cover or you have anything you would like to know about today's show, just write in and we will get back with you. Yeah, and my closing remarks again would be, folks, everyone has an opinion. Everyone has their right to an opinion. And I say respect other people. You don't have to agree with their opinion to respect them. And that's what uh, we're about, is, is, is learning and developing. And, you know, everyone that I read several years ago in a uh, daily devotional by Oswald Chambers, and I've never forgotten this, the beginning of learning is the willing to unlearn. I get chills when I repeat that. Amen. The beginning of learning is a willingness to unlearn because we learn things and then we just want to stick with them regardless of what the evidence might be. Well, I, I'm, I'm one who, if I have something that is troubling me, I will search for an answer until I find something that brings me peace. I don't care if it's in the legal profession, the medical profession, whatever it is, I will search until I find something that brings peace. So folks, search for the answers that bring you peace about the mask, about the vaccines. Just search for what brings you peace and knowing that there'll be those that disagree with you regardless of what position you take. But that's okay. And with that, you close us out, Steve. Dr. Meehan, why don't you tell the audience one more time where they can find your um, personal or your information on Facebook? Right. You can you can actually go to my website, MeehanMD.com, and I have blog posts and articles that cover all of the stuff that we talked about today. Um, and and you can find me on Facebook, Jim Meehan, M-E-E-H-A-N, or Doc Meehan, Twitter, at Doc Meehan. Um, but thank you again, you guys, for this, and uh, I love you for doing it. Uh, we're followers of Christ. We know that we got to love our neighbor. Amen. Well, we love you for coming. <laughs> well, we love you anyway, whether you came or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us, and uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next week for another episode.